0: I am the book. You are the fire and I burn like a book. Don't know how this one ends till I die. And the honest part
1: of reliable is the lie. The greater the power, the more the abuse. You are the hand. I worship the bruise.
0: If romance is dead, I guess I'm a necrophiliac. God needs a sacrifice, I am the cross and you are the Christ, so I uh, beepity, <laughs> welcome to the ever classy and ever highly professional oh. Mother's Mayhem Extreme Horror Podcast.
2: We're extremely professional, like,
0: yeah. No. yeah oh uh, yeah um, oh no. <laughs> christina looks really nice today i'm wearing a christina dress? looks really beautiful today and she's very nice cleavage so if you're not watching this on youtube what you need to understand is christina's boobage looks fabulous today they look
2: 32
0: i on the other hand Am a large pumpkin with a sinus You're infection. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: pregnant. So I, you know, I'm doing this for the best, <laughs> right?
1: She's a trooper. <clears throat> she
2: is not feeling well, and still because I have been looking forward to this one for so long. She is taking one for the team so oh want,
0: we can't miss this, this it's ryan harding of all people why? i was like right? why why does it have to be this weekend that i'm going right? to be ill i the, i'm just gonna the so so you know you won't be burdened with the annoyance of my horrible laugh <laughs> for a majority of this one because i'm probably just gonna sit here like yeah you guys are so smart he writes books i have a headache <laughs> <laughs> right you write really good books uh they're okay they're okay yeah. i mean <laughs> i mean you know it's not
2: like people it's not like people get them tattooed on them or anything
0: oh yeah no show the youtube viewers I did. your new accessory
2: i did i got one finally, finally yeah got one. And it's it's uh, from *Reincursion* by Ryan Harding and Jason Tavner. So, huzzah. huzzah! Yay! And I'm getting another one with Mike Ennenbach's words on me. So, he should I'm, also like, I be, be
0: joining now. us soon. Don't yes. we get to talk to him in a few weeks? We I think next weekend we get to talk to someone else that Mr. Ryan Harding has collaborated. I think mm-hmm. next week. Is our Chris Triana weekend? I'm pretty sure we get to talk to Christopher Triana. We not we we uh were able to schedule our night stalkers back to back.
2: Right, right. Yep.
0: Next Saturday we get to talk. There to you go. Triana. So this weekend we're bringing you Harding. Next week you get Triana. There you go. We and are killing it. We're on it. We're on it. And we had Morrison and keen Like, come on yeah and get like, not get on our level oh people. gosh right. i can't believe we're almost up to the end of the first half of season i, one know, this is I wild. know so do you want <clears throat> to see what i've been doing yeah
2: okay so i want to preface this episode with i am a fangirl okay it's not that it it doesn't take that much to figure that out i'm a fan um i look at it like I'm the nerdy girl at school and he's like the quarterback. Like our friendship doesn't make sense, but yet somehow it
0: does. So So essentially you are Eddie Munson and Ryan Harding is Chrissy. You don't know what that means. I don't know know what that means. Stranger things. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't watch that. All right. I don't watch it. If you're listening or watching this right now and you're just like I'm so done with mother's mayhem I'm out I totally validate you I t- <laughs> I, I watch because okay, everybody so- except Christina is gonna get that joke Christina <laughs> I'm sorry um, so I don't watch a lot of television today
2: is what the 17th I've watched one movie. And I watched it last night. What movie? I watched Whiplash with um, J.K. Simmons, aka Schillinger from Oz. Loved it. Super good. Super impressed. Um, it what was really it stressful. Though. Um, I've never heard of it. Kid. It's so good. Okay, so it's about this kid who wants to be a drummer in a like at Carnegie Hall and Lincoln Center, like, and he gives up everything for it he gives up his pride his dignity his girlfriend everything but like he's always seeking approval it's it's stressful I was gonna
0: say it kind of sounds sad it is like I got really kind of sad and it doesn't sound like horror horror oh absolutely not real life dramatic Yeah,
2: no, it is absolutely horror. Horror. Yeah, so are you ready for this? If yeah. They won't be able to see it if they're listening, but there are 458 tabs.
0: Okay, wait, hold that up again so I can do a little screenshot here. I'm going to screenshot this, and I'm going to see if, you know, Drew usually makes our um, thumbnails for YouTube. <laughs> The whole thing, but so this Morrison, might have to be the one this time.
2: <laughs> Morrison was Morrison came in at around a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty. But and we're going to talk about um, Easter eggs because he has so many. He some of even some of his lines, like dialogue, is based <coughs> off of like music and mo- out of movies and all of this. And I'm like, dude. I got enough. I
0: got enough. You know, I have to be, I have to be honest with our listeners. Christina's read like the entire Harding bibliography. Everything I have that I can get my hands on. not had a chance to read probably more than just a few and that doesn't that does not reduce my appreciation of this man in any way shape or form because honestly you don't have to read many of Ryan you all you need to do is pick up one Ryan Harding and you'll be like well here's one of our top players in the game you can't really get by that but and that's had a chance to go through them all yet
2: <clears throat> they're all good. Uh, but like I said, reincar- or reincursion is, it's not heart murder, it's emotional damage and I will never forgive him or Jason for what they did. So,
0: do you, and know they what, do you know what my own personal hell is going to be, Christina?
2: Having a TBR that you've not finished and nobody will Ouija board you back? Because that's my
3: personal
0: hell. Well, no, I will be like Ouija boarded back, but I won't have the energy to actually touch the books like my ghost will that. like want to go pick up the books that i never had a chance to read my hands are gonna like <laughs> right through them and i'm like this <laughs> this fucking crap, fuck you satan <laughs> okay like all the really books good. are right there and i'm just like Scraping at them like a dog trying to. <laughs> and the audio
2: book—the only yeah! audio book that you can listen to—is anything narrated by Zach Baddens. Shut up!
3: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know what? Do you what? Think? you Good, know right? what? The, the devil was in hell just a minute ago, taking a nap, and you said those words, and he he immediately woke up and it was like, "What was that? <laughs> Did some ge- <laughs> that was genius? <laughs> writing I'm writing that one down. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, every once in a
3: while,
2: I have I have a moment
0: <laughs> where I'm actually
2: freaking genius. That
0: was awful that was awful go. that was awful thank you no thank you
2: <laughs> oh sorry about that do since it's gonna be a suck fest and you know that's just <laughs> way it is do you want to talk about someone other than harding for a few minutes because i
0: have read some fucking
2: bangers this week like
0: oh Please Ooh, tell everyone all girl. about what you've read because this was not my week for reading. Mm. I'll just be honest. I, y'all, I was girl. traveling so much for work and then I got sick. And she
2: licked yeah. a doorknob. she licked a doorknob. So,
0: <sighs> yeah. Well, we were talking about our tiny plate rats. It's, uh, you're not going to hear this till October, but it's currently September 17th. Yes. And if any of you are parents, you're probably also. Mm. Struggling with the uh, back to school bugs that have been the brought cooties. home by your own playgrats. So. unless you're homeschooling like me, yes. <laughs> Which I need an update on off the podcast because <laughs> I was going to ask you about that today, and then we totally got sidetracked. We just
2: we got into it, yeah. So today I'm going to talk about. Three that i actually read in like the past couple days um i want to talk about fuck you mary sue by i saw
0: your review on that this morning and i'm so interested i don't know how to prioritize
2: okay so this one reminds me of heathers meets mean girls but in a very different point of view
0: Oh, I'm so interested. Yeah. On your Facebook review, I saw Dakota Daw, mm-hmm. who's another book reviewer online who I respect immensely. If you guys aren't following he's so awesome. Dakota Daw, he's fantastic. He's part of the Godless Hype crew. Um, and as I said, I, him and Christina, I respect their opinions to the highest level, but he even said in his comment that he like immediately direct messaged Elton. Yeah, I did, like- too. <laughs> I did too. And I when like, I see so that good. from people like you guys who I'm like, I know you guys vibe the same way I vibe. I'm like, oh shit, I got to get this. Vibe. And it's
2: really fast. It's about 32 pages. Oh, it's damn. Like 50, it's, 50, it's 50 cents on Godless because oh. it's the Merge series. Um, It is... Because I'm doing obviously like a top 10 books of the year, but I'm actually also having to do top 10 short stories of the year. And he is, he is a number three for me. That's how good this is. Okay. Yeah.
0: There it is. Um... Yeah.
2: It's so good. So, so good.
0: keep talking to the people because okay. i'm purchasing it right now oh. <laughs> even better yay yeah um,
2: so the second one that i want to talk about is okay so everyone pretty much knows i have a boner for poetry first mm-hmm. but plays are second to poetry somebody i have a huge play collection plays.
0: who just sent me his Ben? Plays? Adds a, yes adds ben a, just sent RZ. me his plays yes
2: okay when i tell you okay. there's one called um american demon it's eight pages and i was sobbing sobbing because it was so beautiful i think i actually have the quote here and you're gonna be like what the fuck Hold on.
0: oh god christina i've been so yeah. hormonal this weekend i don't know get how ready I handle this get oh. ready i do
2: have it naturally when you think you're going to die you're going to pray to god to live however there's a threshold of pain where you stop caring and beg to die
0: that's so true
2: and i'm like holy shit and what's so great about ben is he does surrealism and absurdism so well and yet he has a an American demon is number two, even though technically it's not a short story I don't care. Um, it's number two on my short story list for the year because I it's about an American marine who goes and is um, disfigured because of Iraq and he comes back and it talks about his marriage and how it falls apart it talks about how he um like I'm not ruining anything but he talks about how he has to fuck his wife from behind because she can't even look at him like stop no right girl so sob fest 2022 thank you Ben Arzate um for the arc and the tears um and I
0: mean they're so bad I mean, and I'm going to have to tell you right. Now I know you just sent me this arc but I'm probably going to have to wait until my <laughs> daughter is like a year out or else my current pregnancy plus postpartum um right, right. will probably uh you'll put me in the hospital <laughs> right <laughs> Sorry And then there's like I mean you said does... that quote about death and you know I thought about when well, my husband was really really sick Right it's not even like about yourself. You get to the point where you watch somebody else suffer in that way. And I remember those days where I would like be like praying to God and just saying like, if you're, if you're going to take him, just take help. Help help me. This is ludicrously cruel. Why are you doing this to this person? If, if it's going to end, just do it now. Right. Why would you torture him this way? Why would you torture us this way? Like, and, that's, and then my husband that's, will tell you the same exactly. thing. There were days where he was yeah. like, "God Almighty, like why are you doing this to me?" Yeah, like if you, and, if I'm gonna die, just let me die. Like,
2: and uh, Ben I really
0: that I can't handle that. He
2: really speaks to the psyche uh, of that, and I, it it is absolutely stunning. It is worth every goddamn penny plus more. I already was like, I need a signed copy, like a fucking sap when you get it. But now I'm gonna switch gears. We were we were sad. But now we get to talk about a talking cock arm.
0: Okay, wait, wait, wait,
3: wait,
0: wait. wait. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is this a yep, yep, a, yep, yep, yep. Pe- a penis with an like arm?
2: A, no, it's like an arm that's a cock arm. That is a cock.
0: penis.
2: Yeah. So they yeah. have an and
0: arm, but that arm yes. is a dick.
2: Yes. Yes. And we can thank <laughs> Mr. Mike Lombardo oh, and his oh. short story collection. <laughs> Please don't tap on
0: the glass. Oh, I have I have this in my TBR and I want it so bad. It's amazing.
2: It's amazing. Because you
0: guys have been talking about it and I love the whole like the cover and the cover is amazing. So excited. But, and it's, it's like at the top of my list. And I just got to make a way. Yeah,
2: it's and it was funny because I was supposed to be reading it with I was buddy reading it with Ryan, and I can't be trusted with short stories. I'm sorry. I just can't because I was like, hey, I'm on the last story. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm on the first one. He was like, great buddy read. I'm like, I can't be trusted if it's short stories. I can't be trusted because like we go from like one called dead format that's like a mystery vhs and it's you know there's a lot of unshaved vaginas and gore you know and then we go to one of the most depressing and unsettling short stories i've ever read in my life and i'm 40 years old it is depressing and heavy but it's so good so and then tentacles and oral sex
0: Oh. I mean, he's, ve- he's very... Then we go into that whole La Blue Girl world. <laughs> <laughs> and he even has a story
2: featuring Brian Keane. Really? hmm
0: Oh, my um, God.
2: My notes are, Brian Keane likes guns and booze, but not reporters and trespassers.
0: All of that's, that's true. true. All of that is true and accurate very true. of Brian Keane. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right and it's really um he does kind of what harding does and tells like the story behind the story after every love. one of them
0: I oh you know what keen does that too in his short story collections i that's so funny have not
2: i still haven't read anything by keen No,
0: so i actually just recommended this to uh paula ash last week but um I, I gotta recommend to you then if you haven't read anything, if you're only going to read one thing that Brian Keene has ever written, let it be blood on the page. That's his complete short fiction. And that uh, is actually
2: on sale right now for 99
0: cents. Look, Christina, I am not, you know, this ain't me. This ain't me. Not only did I tab, I took (gasps) notes there's a story in here called i sing a new psalm and when you read it it's only like four or five pages but when you read it you're gonna your mind's just gonna be like and all right i didn't realize how much like theology he uses in his horror which to me is uh real
2: you love that oh yeah
0: you know i love it but yeah if you're gonna read anything and then walk away just let it be this one because it's way worth it
2: And while we're (coughs) probably a month out from airing this one, it is on sale right now for 99 cents. And so I'm going to pick it up. Because I have The Rising, which is credited with bringing back the zombie craze. And I think I have one other one, maybe.
3: Oh, look! Hey
1: everyone. Hi!
0: (laughs) Hello, Ryan Harding.
1: Hello.
0: It's nice to meet you.
1: Oh, you too, finally.
0: Yes! I went to send you the link and I was like, I think we're friends. But I've never had the chance to actually talk to him. (laughs) You've
1: you've been fortunate for a while.
0: Um, no, I'm pretty sure that's the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Mothers of Mayhem, Ryan Harding. We're Thank so you. happy to have you. Thank you for doing this.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. I was, uh, I've been looking forward to it. Yeah!
0: Well,
2: I have, I, maybe a little bit. This.
0: <sighs> Christina's only mildly excited. I don't just, a little,
2: the... just a little. It's already been prefaced, like at the beginning. Like, they know. They know. They know how this is going to go.
0: And I don't think she told you about it at all either. So, no. he has no idea who I even am. So, just so you're aware, Christina's, Christina's an insane person. <laughs> <laughs> I, think he, I think he got that about minute three in. <laughs> And you're, you're the main focus of that right now. So, um, hyperfixation, hyperfixation.
3: <laughs> Congratulations. <Yeah.
2: laughs> Isn't that an award winner right there? <sighs>
3: yeah.
0: I think that Christina already warned you. I, unfortunately, am really not feeling very well this weekend so I am here and I will be asking you some questions but that fine lady is probably gonna take the reins on that one and hopefully we'll get you back at another time when I'm feeling a little bit sparklier because I'm sad that I'm not my usual self for this one because we've been so excited to have you We've been waiting weeks and weeks for this one so yay um in case you haven't listened to our show in the past which is all right I guess. Um. I've
1: seen it a few times.
0: Oh, bless your heart. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate that too. Uh, We're going to ask you a bunch of questions that Christina has put a lot of time and effort into creating for you. So these are actually smart questions for the most part. And then, after our little godless break, we're going to ask you some really dumb questions. <laughs> That's all Marion. Which is all me. <laughs> so I'm going to let Miss Christina kick it off. You got this nice, chill vibe, and I just can't, I don't know how to handle it. Wait. Like-
2: All right, so we'll start with Easter eggs. I naively thought that Morrison had cornered the market for me with Easter eggs and sadly I was mistaken. Ryan single-handedly made me replenish my tab stash and everybody's already seen all the tabs so we don't have to redo that. Um, Much like music and movie references, this seems to be something that you have fun doing. Um, So this is a three-parter, three-parter. It's three, just so you know. Um, First off, what is your, (laughs) it's already, already off the rails. What is your favorite reoccurring Easter egg? (laughs) Which one do you wish more people would pick up on? And do you write the story first and then add them? Or do you add them as you go?
3: Well,
0: (laughs) oh, wait, Uh. I have a fourth question. do the (laughs) the easter eggs even really exist or is christina just making this all up and now you have to feed into her delusion
1: yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's that one (laughs) i think it's that
1: one yeah there's all kinds of them yeah it's all connected
0: (laughs) tell us more
1: yeah going back i guess one of the longest running ones would have been from genital grinder the first collection and it's uh it involves a newscaster uh interviewer and then geisha hammond that's that's one of the longest running and when i started doing that in that book that one became one of the go-to things in it and uh that one's been a lot of fun, I think, because each reference to her is mostly about how each of the male characters feels about her sexually and her lips, and how their estimates for how quickly she can pleasure them get shorter and shorter as the book goes along. So, <laughs> and I brought that back in the new one, Transcendental Mutilation, one time just because I knew it annoyed at least one person on the first collection. So. <laughs> That, like, that's you one. you know
0: another. what f you here she comes yeah <laughs> yeah
1: well, we can like captain america said i can do this all day <laughs> that's one of them uh there's one in the newer book uh the new book transcendental mutilation there's a something that's set up in the first story that the joke doesn't pay off until much later in the book and that that's one i like because i like to do be a little bit more ambitious with the connections and the stories this time and have like a greater payoff to them. And I think that's one where that, that one went further than I was able to do in Genital Grinder with it. So I, I like that one and I hope people will pick up on that one. Um, but uh, and then, uh, gosh, like there's there's a character referenced in uh, Reincarnage and Reincursion named Silly Jackson. And <laughs> This is just like an end joke uh, between me and uh, the other writer, Jason Taverner, because it was a lie that he told to somebody when he was a kid. He was convinced this other kid was lying about stuff all the time. So he tried to one up him at his game and, and invented this stunt clown named Silly Jackson. And he would talk about all the things that were on the show, and the friend would be like, Yeah, that was great. And, you know, just agree to the whole thing, but it was all just a lie. So we brought, we created, I threw this into the book because I thought it was so hilarious. So we have this stunt clown in the in the book that we've uh, talked about it very briefly in both installments, and I'm sure we'll probably find a way to work him into the next one too. Um, I guess a more serious one is the killer in uh, the story a story called Temple of Anducius. He's mentioned in my uh, novella, The Profile, which was written in the Godless series, uh, Call Me Boo.
3: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah, the fucking scumbags burn in hell series. So. His exploits are what are being investigated in uh, the profile. But uh, what he's, why he's doing all of this isn't revealed until Temple of Amducius. And it uh, it's not a very real world thing. It <laughs> goes a lot more supernatural than I do in a lot of my stories. So those are some of the Easter eggs that come to mind. I like those a lot.
0: Just so uh, you know, my children haven't read your books
1: they probably shouldn't.
0: Yet. But, <laughs> right? as you know a of. family. <laughs> my Clark has been doing some secret reading <laughs> recently. <Clark>. I've discovered. <laughs> but, as a family, we have decided that the next cat we adopt will be named Silly Jackson.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope he lives up to the billing man. <laughs>
0: You good it's way too good <laughs> <laughs> so um, with those easter eggs that you created and that move even through your collaborations like christina mentioned there's a lot of them actually that are music and movie based too so they play a really heavy hand in the art that you create you've referenced bands like entombed morbid angel cannibal corpse Cargus, napalm death we've got movies like genital (laughs) grinder but then we have like carrie the classic demons (laughs) (laughs) silence of the lambs which is a book that me or well yeah a book and movie that actually have a very special place in my heart for personal reasons you know night stalkers that you wrote with chris triana who we actually get to talk with next weekend Mm -hmm. um that's basically a huge homage to death metal black metal so knowing that not night stalkers is definitely like obviously rooted in those inspirations can you tell us more about how you integrate your love of horror pop culture into the work that you write
1: well, uh, there was a show on HBO many years ago called Dream On, and uh, the character in it, he was like a book editor, and he'd watched too much TV as a kid, and so as he goes through the show, there's all these little flashback clips to these uh, old black and white movies and shows that are like an ironic contrast to what's going on in the show. And I think I just kind of inherited that sort of thing. But with horror and metal and that kind of stuff, it's just constantly going through my mind uh, in my life. And with Night Stalkers in particular, it was set in 1992, which was uh, kind of around the time that I started being really fixated in extreme metal. And I started getting into Euro horror back then. And those became such uh, dominant obsessions in my life that uh, really started being forged with my work. And I would start to allude to those kinds of things more and more just because I liked it so much. And I'd sometimes see other stories that would have some kind of allusion to something like that. And it was just something that I started to go for more and more. Um, But uh, I guess Pandemonium especially is a big Euro horror homage. There's so many things in it, like every other page. There's some kind of reference to some Italian or Spanish or something horror movie, like even even the cover, we had uh, the artist, Daniela Batsheva, purposely designing characters to look like things that we based them on in the movies, like the, the Crimson Executioner that was taken from Bloody Pit of Horror. Yes, uh, yes,
0: yes, 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 yes. We yes. had
1: uh, Ilsa from the She-Wolf of the SS. She's on the back cover. The pimp from Demons is in the ring. Uh, he's the, the announcer was based on him and pandemonium and there's a lot of things like that in the book. Uh there's Lucas is into that stuff too. So we were just trading those out left and right. And every time we passed it back and forth, there'd be more and more and more added to it. So if Christine had known about like everything like that, she would have gone through probably another book of tabs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm done.
2: There's, like I told them, there's 458. That's the best
0: I can do. Well, that <laughs> angle really piques my interest because before I had too many kids, I had a more disposable income and I was a huge collector of horror film, uh-huh. particularly cult band. Uh, I have Ilsa. <laughs> I have Anthropophagus.
2: Good. I
0: have Necromantic. I have <laughs> Shram. I have like, oh, what? So I want to know and this is going to be a really hard question because I know I wouldn't be able to answer it. What's your, okay, what's one of your favorite Euro horror films? Are you a, are you like, you really like the Giallo or?
1: Yeah, yeah, I love, yeah. Really love those Giallo movies. Jason Taverner, I even wrote a Giallo one time. We had to abandon it just because it kind of came off the rails, but. <laughs> We got like we got like eighty eighty thousand words into that book and had to pull the plug on it because it just wasn't working anymore. But uh yeah, I, I love stuff like torso and Don't Torture a Duckling and Deep Red and Tenebrae.
0: Uh, Argento or Fulci?
1: I'm, I lean more toward Argento myself because that was my uh that was my introduction to Euro horror, especially. It was an article by Maitland McDonough that I read in a magazine called Horror Fan. And I didn't really know stuff like that existed at the time. I kind of felt like I'd seen most of the important stuff, you know, naive high school. Uh-huh. But once I read that article, I realized it was just this whole other world of stuff that was out there that when it came over here was usually censored. Mm-hmm. So it became like a big obsession with me to track down these bootleg copies of uncut prints of them. And so that was where I started with Argento. And then uh, another friend was into the same stuff, too. So we were trying to track down more and more of this stuff. And there was a lot of Argento and Fulci. I mean, I love both of them. (laughs) Big fan of both of them. They're both alluded to frequently in my stuff. But um, yeah, Euro horror in general. I love Suspiria was really a life-altering thing when I saw that for the first time because I'd never seen anything like it. There's really not any (laughs)
0: movies
1: like that one. But they just had such an artistic style to how it was filmed and had the goblin soundtrack.
0: Yes! Mm -mm. Oh, it's all about those visuals. Oh my God.
1: And like the opening double murder is uh-huh. it's beautiful, but it's also really gory. And I like that kind of contrast. Um, and that's something also that like harkens back to the lyrics of Carcass. I mean, my my book is called Genital Grinder, that's a carcass song, but really Jeff Walker's lyrics were a big influence, I think, on how I approach things because his lyrics for necroticism, the necroticism album in particular just kind of blew my mind at the time because there's all these polysyllabic huge words you know that I didn't even know and they're all being used to convey these really macabre and morbid grotesque subjects and I think that's something that resonated with me a lot to where that was something I tried to employ too.
0: Oh that's awesome. Yeah I (laughs) all of the film stuff really gets me (laughs) because it's such a big part of what i love so when that starts getting incorporated i'm just like yeah,
1: yes. <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> something that yeah it's a thread that goes through my stuff pretty much all the time
2: and for anyone who's not watching i don't know any of these movies i've <laughs> never seen a single <laughs> solitary <laughs> one um what was i know they're in the house <laughs> but I have not watched like every single one that's been named. I'm just like,
1: no. <laughs> what was uh, part B of the first question?
0: Oh yeah, that's right.
2: Um, Oh, for the which, Easter eggs. Yeah. Which do you, which do you wish more people would pick up on?
1: This isn't like the reader's fault this time. This is our fault, but uh, we had set up a part in reincursion for one of the prowlers. He had an email address and we wanted it for where the readers might think, well, why is this hyperlink actually work in this book? <laughs> and thought somebody might actually try to do it and contact him. And if they did, we had a like a secret bonus chapter that we would send anybody who did that. And uh, as it turned out, Jason got the address wrong in the book. <laughs> no! he added it, it, should just be, it should just be yahoo.com but he put yahoo mail.com and so oh no. it's, if you take mail out it works but uh unfortunately <laughs> that's that's not something we caught after you proofread a book about six times there's a lot of things you stop seeing at a certain point so that's that's something that kind of got lost and uh also in the same book in reincursion there's a character named erica and there's a secret storyline going on with her that we cannot come right out and say and it's all can all just be hinted at because she doesn't know it herself. So that's something you know I hope people will kind of pick up on. I haven't heard anybody talk about it. <laughs> like the one of the beta readers we sent it to noticed a lot of it. So I thought oh people are really going to get this and I don't know if they actually did. <laughs> it might have been a, an anomaly which unfortunately came right off the top where we thought oh we must have done our jobs well, but it, it, that may not actually be true so that that's a couple of things that yeah it would be nice if uh more people might pick up on i, I can't say for sure about transcendental mutilation which hasn't come out yet but i think the stuff in there i think people are going to notice I, hopefully do you,
0: do you think up the easter eggs first before the book starts to come together or do the easter eggs present themselves as opportunities once the book's in progress
1: it's it's only when I'm actually collecting them that I start thinking that way because these projects are meant for like certain anthologies were that have their own thematic conceits that I'm trying to adhere to so I'm focused on that first and foremost and a lot of times there's going to be a word limit so a lot of times I go I shoot past a word limit and I have to cut things out as it is so I don't put a lot of thought into You know, Easter egg material at that time. It's only when I'm starting to collect them and I'm starting to see which themes connect that I'm not aware of as I'm writing the stuff necessarily. Um, So when I can start and see the big picture of them and I can start and see uh, like the ages of the characters, three of the stories in uh, Transcendental Mutilation intersect, have college characters intersecting in them. So it's easy to like connect those put things in there to connect those stories and make it obvious that oh well they all go to the same university and a lot of them are in the same dorm even though uh, their adventures slash misadventures don't have anything to do with each other they're all still connected in that way and I think that sort of thing makes uh, a collection more interesting to read it's just something I kind of picked up on uh, from uh, Brett Easton Ellis's The Informers I think was one of the first times that I paid attention to that sort of thing and just in his books in general there will be characters who show up that uh you know from another book and it's interesting to see what they're like in a, another book where they take center stage such as uh, American Psycho mm-hmm. you read the rules of attraction and that's about his brother but he shows up in the rules of attraction and it's to read a chapter from him it's like yeah this guy's crazy but you don't realize that (laughs) reading the rules of attraction it's not until later
0: right i can't imagine trying to cut things out simply because of a word limit i don't know if my brain could handle that how do you handle that how do you do that and do you take stuff that you have to cut and set it aside kind of is like foundation pieces or things to use in other stories later
1: no i just i know probably i'll be i'll do a collection later and i can just restore it which is what the all the stories that are in transcendental mutilation all of them the temple of Amduceus were published in another anthology or magazine or something so none of them are the same as their original publications i've added stuff to all of them uh edited them taken some things out i've put things back into it that i had to cut out before so uh it's it is difficult to cut. I think Divine Red. I had to cut that. That was for Into Pain Freak, from uh, edited by Gerard Warner, and five thousand words. I think was the absolute limit, and I shot way past it. Yeah, uh,
2: that's not a lot.
1: Yeah, uh, I had to go. I think I had to cut like I don't remember how much it was exactly, but over a thousand words out of that story. <gasps> Yeah, a lot of it had to be taken out. And that was an all day (laughs) because I was already up on the deadline. I had to spend like a Sunday just going through that story and taking out every single word that I could that uh, I thought it could lose. And sometimes it's pretty easy to just take a word out of a sentence that doesn't change its meaning. But other times you have to cut a little deeper than that
0: oh now see that's an interesting concept to me so it's not just about like taking core pieces of concept out sometimes it's just about going in and taking out superfluous verbiage yeah
1: uh, there <laughs> for are the sake like that. of
0: the sanctity of the story
1: yeah it's just like a word like the a word like that can be taken out a lot of oh, times yeah
0: yeah 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 so, yeah
1: and i think doing that kind of led me to be just more economical about how I write anyway. And I think it had an influence on how I write to the point that I changed my style quite a bit since uh, when I started being in more and more anthologies like that. So uh, my style adapted a little bit. I think it's better now and more firm in how I do words compared to like Genital Grinder, which was a little freer, raw.
2: christina oh i thought it was your turn that's why i'm like oh no no, sorry.
3: No,
0: no, no 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 go ahead
2: all right so let's talk about common themes um my absolute favorite is to hunt for instances of documentation like in um development and one of them in transcendental mutilation um or video It even appears in Reincarnage and Reincursion that you co-authored with Jason Tavner. The only one that isn't predominant is Pandemonium. And I could even make the case that the live streaming podcasters could technically be a form of documentation. This is just a super long-winded way of asking if this was intentional.
1: I think also in Pandemonium, you have people doing the live, like going FaceTime live too in a couple of Mm scenes. So yeah, I think there is the the documentation like that. It's it's not really something I think about doing. It's more of an, an just a subconscious impulse and I think a lot of that is because of my uh I think uh, I, the Great and Secret Show, I guess, by Clive Barker. Oh was,
0: god, yes.
1: Resonated a lot with me when I was I read that when I was in I think middle school.
0: Ah, uh, me probably, too.
1: <laughs> probably 6th or 7th grade. And in, like, the beginning of the story, you have uh, Randolph. He works in the dead letter office, the post office. They have him going through there to look for money or porno pictures or yeah. what or whatever in this the dead letter <laughs> section. And he's supposed to share it with everybody. And he's kind of bitter, thinks he should be bigger in the world. He wants to be king of the world, essentially. And uh, as he goes through all these letters, he finds out there's, like, this thing called the art there's this place called quiddity all this stuff that he's never heard about before but that a lot of people talk about they write about it's the secret world that uh, changes his whole destiny essentially and uh, I just always love that beginning so much and that's something I think that it it kind of ties into with what you're talking about um, because I consider like these diaries or these videos or whatever they're like windows to worlds essentially and you're only getting a fragment of it through there and the story is to explore the greater implications of them but uh yeah i think that the great and secret show just uh had a big influence on me in that respect and that might be why a lot of it is that way plus that's just how i am uh with horror movies and metal in particular just being so obsessed with that stuff and reading so deep into it and one thing leading to so many others and so many things that I just never thought about before. So I I think uh, that's kind of mirrored in my approach to writing maybe.
0: So when when you sit down to write something, do you ever, before you start writing it, do you ever sit back and think, hmm, I think this might be better if I get somebody else to come on board with me for this one, because I think there's somebody who might add a lot of value to this work for me, because it seems like collaboration is something that comes really easy for you. You've collaborated with Lucas Mangum, you've Matt Shaw, like you said, Jason and Tavener, And then like, we include your work with the uh, call me hoop, the fucking scumbags burn in hell series for godless. Uh, Is there something specific that you look for in a person as far as other authors go before you decide to jump in and participate in a collaboration or present the possibility of a collaboration? And are there any authors writing currently who you might like the opportunity to reach out to about doing some work together?
1: I think the most important thing to look for, I guess, when I'm, kind of laying the foundation of a possible collaboration is their amazon sales ranking
3: <laughs> <No way. laughs>
1: like, yeah i think i think we can work together you're you're at least top 20 so no uh it's it's entirely shared interests it's entirely shared interests with lucas we're so much into the same kind of Euro horror and that kind of sensibility. I mean, it just was practically inevitable that that's what we were going to, we were going to do something like that. And it was just a conversation about movies because we weren't thinking, well, we need to collaborate. What's something we could collaborate on? It was like, we were talking about zombie novels. And so we'd like to write, each of us would like to write one, but we kind of felt like that market's oversaturated and only some, weirdo who uses a lot of tabs would probably appreciate a book like that.
2: I love zombies.
0: I don't know who you could possibly be. No idea.
2: No idea. <laughs>
1: but no, we just, but I mentioned, well, I always wanted to do a book like Demons, uh, the movie Demons, and he was like, well, we could pretty much do like our own sequel to it if we wanted to. That would be fun. And why don't we set it in the world of professional wrestling? So... <laughs> I was just like, okay, let's let's do it. And I mean, within about three, four months we had pandemonium. It was a really fast uh collaboration. None of the others I've done have ever quite gone that fast, I don't think, other than uh the one with Matt Shaw, because he wrote the majority of that all you know himself. I just filled in on a few scenes, but um generally like a, a novel link like that takes, you know quite a while for at least for uh, jason taverner and i those uh agent orange books take two to three years sometimes just because of life getting in the way for both of us but uh, christopher triana is a writing machine so the night stalkers didn't take really that long but again that was a shared interest thing just yeah. we were both into extreme horror we both liked death metal we liked uh, horror so he proposed okay i have something that we should try called the night stalkers and gave me the idea for it and I said yeah I can work with that so it's again it's just shared interest and the same thing with Jason Taverner I mean we both discovered we like writing violent horror and we liked uh, Dario Argento we liked David Lynch so that was like immediately we started writing together and that was 20 years ago it's it's been a long time so it's just, how did it's just your
0: a, how did your collaboration with Ed Lee come about
1: uh, well, I've been in contact with Lee. We've been friends since the late 90s. Uh, I made a post on the Horror Net forum in praise of his work, which some people really liked. Other people complained about because he was just, at that point, there wasn't much of an extreme horror subgenre. He right. was, <laughs> he pretty much was that subgenre all by himself to a large extent. There was splatterpunk, but he was going even farther than anybody had ever. <laughs> decided they could go with it in there so I, I was praising like his character work which I think he does really good character work and at that time he uh sent me an email thanking me for it and we just stayed in contact from that point on and uh I would send him stuff that I was working on he was always real encouraging about it and he'd give me some uh, feedback about it And usually just like one suggestion like uh, you should describe what the protagonist looks like or something like that but he was always uh, encouraging and over the years he just uh, General Grinder came out he did a great introduction for me for that that I think drew a lot more people than I ever realized it would and uh, so a couple years after that he emailed me one day and he said look I'm doing header three right now and I don't have time to finish it I want to edit this movie I'm doing, which was the The Walking Woman. Um, but um so he said I'd like for you to finish the book for me and you know my mind was blown because I I love the Header books. <laughs> you know, I read I read Header like the year or the year after it came out, back in nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight, whenever that was and Header too, I mean, you know Laugh so hard it hurt. <laughs> Reading that because I thought it was so hilarious. So you know, Header is such a huge thing, and to be asked to do it was a high honor that I was intimidated by. But it was like, well, there's no way I can refuse to do it. And he would essentially planned it as a move as a sequel that would be a movie rather than a book. I guess he probably always wanted to do the book, but foremost he did it as a screenplay for the guys who adapted uh, Header. But they weren't able to get the financing together or whatever, so he just sent me the screenplay he did and said, "It you know I was to adapt the rest of the screenplay." And so that's how I was able to do Header Three. I got to use a lot of his own dialogue. So if anybody thought I was just going over the top with the Southern yokelisms, no, I was taking <laughs> taking that back, taking that right off of his script, so I, I wouldn't have to worry about that. um I added a little more gore here and there where I could, but I mean, most of that stuff came right out of the screenplay. But um, yeah, again, it's all about shared interest and sensibilities to, uh, you know, some collaborations can be a little easier than others, but for the most part, I mean, they're always a good time and it's, uh, I can be hard to motivate sometimes. So when I know somebody else is relying on me to get something done, it's a lot easier for me to stay on task and push it forward. Whereas if I was just doing it for myself, like, well, you know, tomorrow, you know, next year or work just fine or whatever, it's a lot easier for me to put off if I'm not letting somebody down.
0: I totally understand that. <laughs> That's the only reason this podcast exists. <laughs> it's because Christina's like, "No, we have to do that, and I'm like, Oh, okay
2: <laughs> until I'm like, "I'm not doing this episode
3: <laughs> and then
2: someone else's is- oh is there are there any authors currently that you want to work
1: with? Ah, uh, you know. Brian Keene and I have been friends for so long. It's it's something I've talked about with him. Uh, he's such a busy guy. I don't know if it would ever happen. We had it discussed it, a concept that I had that would be fun to do. I mean, that's a possibility someday, some year, not anytime soon. Uh, love Chandler Morrison's work a lot. I know he'd never, oh. go, I know he'd never go for it because he's very particular about how he writes he wants everything to be a certain way which is cool you know I I think I'd be a good stylistic fit for him just because I can't come from a lot of the same influences that he he does as far as Brett Easton or Chuck Polinick or J.G. Ballard we we like those three a lot and all of their work kind of influenced what we do to a degree so I think it would be a good stylistic fit but at the same time no I don't think he would go for it
0: Uh, Christina, we might need to send a message to Chandler Morris <laughs> like, be like uh, I need you to well, watch this son I just got two thousand more caps, so we're good son son, <laughs> our favorite chat son. <laughs> we have something we need you to consider
1: <laughs> now, Chandler Chandler's a Chandler's a good friend I've been uh we've emailed each other for for a couple years, so uh yeah. I know what he's like. He, he wouldn't go for it, but it would be. Oh, fun.
3: <laughs>
0: damn it, Chandler.
3: <laughs>
1: classic,
3: classic
2: Maury. Classic Maury. <laughs>
0: damn it, fancy pants. <laughs> Christina, you're up, baby.
2: I am. Okay, so social commentary. For all the assholes, gaping anuses, and mm. Vaughn and Greg moments.
0: Oh yes.
2: I even have colored colored tabs for all of them. Um, what color is
0: what color is gaping anuses, Christina? And I can
2: prove that I'm not lying. It's
3: pink. <laughs>
1: But, I told you. I would be, I would be impressed if there was like a different tab for an anus that was gaping versus just an anus.
2: Um, you're it's it's like you don't know me because that was <laughs> <is> bubbles. <laughs> so, ha <ha-ha> ha on you. <laughs> I did it because there are differences. Gaping anus is the porn, and but you know what just read it guys just read it <laughs> Anywho. Like,
1: like the old time life commercials read the book yeah.
2: <laughs> right like we just got to move past this because now like i've hit a level like, why were these people
1: so obsessed with the series of movies called gaping anus read
2: right, <laughs>
3: right?
2: <laughs> just so you know so it's in your works a lot both solo and as a co-author it's rich with social commentary especially the section I'm about to read. And I want to apologize if I butcher it, but I'm gonna read it back to you because Marian hasn't heard this one, I don't think. And this is from Final Indications. And what I saw was the worst I, than I had imagined. A new era without a substantial revelation was a sobering concept, but I wasn't prepared for its actuality. Everyone was embracing the end of innovation. It didn't matter to them that everything had been done before. It could be overcome, they reasoned, by exhaustive repetition. The sterility of radio reached a new low. Lifeless three-minute sound bites were the hymns of choice in the secret praise of creative impotency. In theaters, everything was a remake, a sequel, or an adaptation of an old TV show. Books were streamlined to pull us to the end more quickly. Plot and characters were incidental. The mediums we used to put our pointless lives aside were corrupted no aesthetic and no catharsis even language had become infantile phrases such as c-word n-word r-word f-bomb a watchdog society taking on the role of the kid in first grade who couldn't wait to tell the teacher you said a bad word like shut up so now that that's done do you know how many times i've rehearsed that it's been a few it's been a few (laughs) This is big on feelings and commentary for the time. You know how I feel, everyone knows how I feel, about horror readers that they read at the surface level and then bitch about it. Do you ever feel like in something like this that readers are missing the point?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's enough that they read it and enjoy it. I mean, that's the thing I have to care about foremost. But if they look beneath the surface a little i think it would enrich their pleasure of the book their understanding of perhaps what i was intending when i was writing it uh yeah their stuff in the book is satirical um i think the portrayal in general grinder of mm-hmm. the male characters in particular was ahead of its time in the sense that every guy in a movie now is a predator or an oppressor or something like that um that was something i was doing i did those stories are written from like 1999 through 2004 they're much older but uh they're still i think relevant in that way it's not something i would necessarily try to do now but uh at the time it was uh satirizing uh, kind of a parody too of the idea of the uh serial killer male uh at the time was a big thing and i was i guess pushing that to its extreme <laughs> the kind of person the kind of guy that uh people were afraid of i i kind of created just you know vaughn and greg <laughs> the nadir of that or the zenith of it however you want to look at it but um i do try to there are certain stories that i, I do try to imbue with that kind of thing and yeah. Just to give them a little more meaning, to just uh, make them more interesting to write sometimes. Um, so there's stories that I, I think the symbolism in them could be seen fairly easily, but it's probably still missed. Uh, something like Emissary, which was in Genital Grinder. It's about a guy named Gabriel. He works at Movie Heaven. Uh, this name emissary means like messenger. Uh, there's, there's all these things in there that uh, tie into that idea. I don't know if that's something that some readers caught on, but uh, I think it's something that enhances the story if you do know that sort of thing. Uh, there's one in Transcendental Mutilation called Temple of Amdusius that, uh, that might be the most elaborate version of what I'm talking about. There's so many references in it to voids, uh, to absences writing that story i didn't have a word limit on that one so i could uh really go as far with it as i went as i wanted to so there are several in there like even the town is called notton as in not nothing <laughs> there's little things like that spread through it there's a hotel called the red circle and circle zero again a lot of things like that so I just think it makes the work better when I can do things like that to it. And I try to put those things into it as I'm writing whenever I can. So yeah, it is probably, it is probably missed sometimes like genital grinder is just seen a lot of times as just, uh, I guess, woman hating, um, misogynistic. That's, that's the takeaway from it a lot of times. And I mean, you can see that in there, of course,
0: if you're going to stay on the surface,
1: Right. I mean, that is the surface level read of it. But I think what's kind of missed is the depiction of men isn't flattering.
3: No. <laughs>
1: they're they're homicidal. They're uh, lascivious. They're dishonest. There's all these things that they are that's uh, not meant to be positive. But I think the tendency is when to uh, identify a protagonist as the hero rather than just the main character there is a difference in that sort of like patrick Bateman an american psycho he's not a hero (laughs) he's a a psycho he's killing or at least thinking he's killing people and so i I think uh yeah if you just take that away from it there's some things in the book you could miss and i mean some people just uh go into it with that kind of mindset. And if sometimes when you go in there to see something like that, then that's all you'll take away from it rather than what might also be there too.
2: Marion, I'm going to follow it up with my last question. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because we're talking about genital grinder. For me, it's a favorite. Um, and yes, I've eventually said this about every one of his, but we'll just move past that. <laughs> genital, <laughs> genital grinder feels like you're fearless you're not afraid of like the woke culture because it really wasn't a thing that um just a guy telling depraved funny stories and trying to entertain the masses can you talk about the differences in social climates between genital grinder and transcendental mutilation and if it affected transcendental mutilation in any way
1: yeah it was different i mean i was gosh in college or just out of college writing a lot of the general grinder stories and a couple of them were written three of them were written for gross out contests so the object was to be as depraved and vile repulsive and just uninhibited as i could be which back then was a lot (laughs) was yeah i was uh blowing past limits i didn't realize i had at the time (laughs) but uh so yeah at that time it was it was a different thing it was Technology was different. The social mores were even fairly different at the time. And uh, then when I revised the stories that became Genital Grinder, I guess that was toward the end of 2011, things had changed somewhat by then, too. Um, Not as severely as they have in the subsequent 10 years, but uh, it didn't necessarily affect how I edited them at the time. Uh, I just It's like that's what they were meant to be. So I might have – I think I I even added stuff to, like, the story called Genital Grinder, a snuff film in five acts, became gorier. (laughs) I threw a few sicker things in there that I thought of in the meantime just because I had kind of a time limit back then and I could do a little bit more with it. So, um, yeah, but as we go through the years and I saw – some the reception to Genital Grinder and how people interpreted it. Yeah, I, I would still go well past the limits of decency with what I wrote, but maybe I was thinking a bit more about not going to certain places that I once did. And, uh, I mean, there's still... <laughs> First story is called the Corpse Fucker Blues. I mean, this isn't <laughs> this isn't anything that's gone to PG thirteen or anything. No, it's, it's, not still, at all. <laughs> it's still very it's still a very niche thing. <laughs> it's still going to offend a lot of people, and hopefully, still sicken the core audience that it's made for. But uh, yeah, you know, the perceptions have changed, uh, and societal norms have changed, and you do have to be aware of that as you write these stories, not necessarily because it means you're not going to write that thing, but how you approach them could be different and yeah. like uh <laughs> diversification's a bigger thing diversity so reincarnage reincarnation and have like a lot of uh gosh, different ethnicities in them I mean it just ultimately leads to a wider variety of people being killed. <laughs> Ultimately, I mean, it's not like we're going about it a whole lot differently than we would have with the different kind of different characters, but we try to be inclusive just so everyone can see themselves mutilated in a story. You
0: You all (laughs) get your turn.
1: Uh, Representation for all. Everybody can feel. Everyone can be, everyone can feel seen and everyone can feel stalked and hunted (laughs) and
0: that's beautiful
1: yeah everyone can (laughs) everyone can everyone can enjoy their uh their mutilation so but yeah Uh, it's it's, it has uh impacted I guess the Vaughn and Greg book that I've talked about doing for years it's it's something that back when I did those stories wasn't a thing but the kind of people they are is less fun overall, I think, to society at large now than it was back when I wrote it as a couple of depraved, uh, uneducated rapists and killers. (laughs) That was something that could be seen as funnier back then in a darkly comic way that now is not necessarily as acceptable. So figuring out how to still do that and keep them true to who they are while still being a story that people want to read has been a challenge that I still plan to do, but uh, it is harder not making it easier on myself by sending them to college, which is the the concept of the book, but, uh, (laughs) but I I still plan to do it. It's just a case of, yeah, you have to think about the way you do things in a way that (laughs) 20 years ago, wasn't anywhere near my mind. Uh, Nowadays people sometimes put trigger warnings on their books and, some people want uh, an itemized, itemized list of all the atrocities that they're going to be encountering in the book. And I've never, I haven't ever done that. I don't have a problem with anybody who does. I just haven't never thought to do that myself. I kind of hope that the title, like The Corpse Fucker Blues, is going to signal somebody that, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You would hope that the insight would be there. Right. <laughs> you right. would hope.
1: Right. So in, <laughs> <and> <laughs> the
0: readers were talking about
1: <laughs> In this sense in this instance in the book, I think pretty much all the rape in this book is purely between the living and the dead. It's it's not
3: it
1: Yeah, there's there's not any that happens between the alive uh person this time. It's all corpses, but uh still as unpalatable as i can make it
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well transcendental mutilation is kind of a conglomeration of most of the short fiction you've done since genital grinder and in there you include you know the classic necrophilia but then we've got tree fucking <laughs> and nanotechnology implants in genitals and vaginas and forced martyrdom which is a uh, one of my personal favorite tropes at the end of this collection you have a story that's basically a story behind the story and it explains <clears throat> how some of these things are difficult for you especially in particular when it comes to writing short fiction, correct? But both of your solo works are short fiction. So what is the hardest to write, short fiction or long fiction?
3: Uh,
1: The short fiction, I think is harder. It's, I mean, it's a little difficult for me to say as somebody who uh, has a collaborator doing a lot of the heavy lifting with the long fiction sometimes. So with short fiction, I, it's just up to me to do it myself. But like the profile, the profile was longer. It's a, it's a novella. It was about, I don't know. I don't remember how long it wound up being, 15,000, 17,000 words, whatever. I did that in like a couple weeks. It, it was not a difficult one to write. I mean, again, there was a collaborative aspect to it. Uh, there was an ending that had to be a certain way for drew's instructions for the rest of the series but uh i didn't struggle with that one that much so in that case the the longer fiction was uh it was good to not have the restraint of a word limit necessarily so that one went fairly easily um short fiction sometimes can be difficult for me for sure
0: yeah do you feel like it's about trying to get everything you want to say into that brief piece of work
1: I think it's less about not knowing like the beginning middle and end I know a beginning or I know a middle I don't always if I don't know the end it's probably not going to happen with me I have to figure out what the ending is or the story is just generally not going to reveal itself to me I kind of have to push to get there so once I do then yeah it can happen but other times it's like I don't A lot of people do hundreds of short stories in their lives. And I'm just like, I don't see how you do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's brains are so different, though. You know, we all have different ways that we function on that level. For those of you who are not watching on this on YouTube, um, Ryan Harding's cat has entered the interview and I am in love and completely distracted. What is your cat's name?
1: That is Captain Trips.
0: Captain Trips. Mm -hmm. Captain Trips, I love you. (laughs) I wish I could pet you. He's beautiful.
1: Oh, thank
0: you. He's gorgeous. Hi, buddy. Well, I'm going to look at Ryan Harding's cat for a little bit. and You all are going to catch a godless ad real fast. And then we're going to come back for the Rapid Fire 4. Okay, here we go. We'll be right back. Hey kids, looking for a way to affordably access the best and wildest independent extreme horror currently in existence? Godless Horrors is the place to be. Go to www.godless.com to gain access to thousands of extreme horror and splatterpunk books from the genre's best and brightest independent authors. Godless Horrors offers every title in their catalog in a variety of formats to ensure compatibility with your favorite digital reading device. Strapped for cash? No worries. Godless has a fantastic collection of free titles ready for instant download, with other titles in their collection rarely exceeding $3 to $4. Again, go to www.godless.com or download the app and tell them what the fuck you're looking for. Come join the Godless Tribe today. Forever delightfully deviant. Forever Godless.
2: Um, with the questions with um, which was the hardest, which was the easiest, it was talking about um, in the Collections.
0: Oh, all right. I didn't make that obvious. I I uh, didn't get that. The idiot who wrote the
2: questions. (laughs) What a dumbass. God. What did you do? Spend 30 minutes on this? God.
1: Did you get your kids to do it?
2: (laughs) Good. Saris. She thinks coffee comes out of nipples, by the way. Now, so that's that's fun to explain.
0: I wish it did. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh my God, that would be
0: amazing. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. Well, so it's time. This was really a great segue into that, talking about coffee coming out of nipples. Now no, we got to
2: do the, the question.
0: Well, you the go ones? ahead. You go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. My brain. It's okay. It's I don't okay. not feel good. <laughs> As you can see from this guy who just came to hang out. He is zonked. Died. Yeah. Done. This is Clark. not like my kid. This is not like my kid. We don't feel oh. good. <laughs>
2: which story was the easiest to write? Short story. And which one was the hardest to write?
1: In Transcendental Mutilation?
2: Overall, either one.
1: <laughs> um, oh, eas- like
2: Dealer's Choice.
1: <laughs> the easiest story was either The Secretor or Down There. Um, the secretor i had I had the idea i was watching a movie and my mind just got to wandering <laughs> one time with this similar concept it was like a, a movie of, where there were characters were isolated <laughs> on like an island and i just got to thinking about that and how i what i could do with the similar concept and uh that one just, I just sat down and did it when Jack Bantry asked me to do something for Splatterpunk zine. And that one came, I had a false start on it. uh, But uh, the second attempt was, you know, got it right. And after that, I didn't have any further problems with it. I don't remember how many days it took to ride. Not very many though. Uh, So compared to some stories, which were much more of a struggle, that one was fairly easy. Um, Down there was uh, like a surprise I didn't have that one in mind at all really it was just a case of I owed a story to Matt Shaw's Masters of Horror and I didn't quite know what I was going to do and I thought well it would be interesting to actually do a story that's a horror story I don't normally do that mine are more of just like extreme horror that things that could happen um It would be horrible, but uh, (laughs) what if I actually tried to do a horror story, and at the time in the news, the uh, Slender Man stabbing case was in the news. Um, And I just got to thinking about, well, the woods are inherently eerie anyway. What if I did a story about something similar to that, like some kind of uh, mythic figure in the woods, and I just kind of started writing from there. The story begins talking about how the main character is kind of freaked out by the woods she has a little brother and I just kind of went from there they moved to a new place and every day I would just do like a thousand words and it would just kind of I don't know it just that one's one of the rare ones that kind of wrote itself for me so uh, even the ending I didn't know necessarily but I just uh, felt good enough about the story to keep going with it and then that rare occasion that kind of did just do itself for me and so that one was easy i don't think it's the kind of story matt necessarily was looking for uh (laughs) he probably wanted something with more you know genitals grinded but uh, (laughs) but I, i went the more traditional way with it so i don't know i was happy with how it turned out
3: okay
2: so you want to do the rapid fire four now
1: I'm so Wait, were you gonna ask me about the the difficult story like, did oh yeah
2: i just keep i just keep like jump <laughs> ahead <laughs> She's so uh, I, I am. I like, you
1: know. well like i said divine bread i had to cut so much out of it but just getting to that point where i even had a complete story that one was difficult i did so many different versions of a beginning to that story. And I would go 1,000, 2,000 words in and realize I was still setting things up. It still it hadn't gotten to the like the club where they go to called Pain Freak. And it wasn't going to work out and I'd have to just trash it and start all over. I don't know exactly how many false starts I had on it, but I mean, it could have been close to 10. <laughs> before I finally arrived at something that worked and I was able to get to the end of it. And then even after all that, I still had to cut you know, 1,500 words out of it. That one was difficult, but Temple of Amducius was probably the hardest. Um, It took me months to write that story. There was a deadline for it. And then I just had to tell Jared, well, sorry, it's (laughs) not happening. And he had delays on the anthology anyway, so it didn't quite matter. But I mean, I was... I never felt like I wasn't working on it other than when I had to take time off to write a story for the Thanksgiving anthology, The Distended Table that uh, Russell Holbrook co-edited, which he and I I were, uh, we were roommates at Killercon a few years ago. And so I said, yeah, I'll do a story for it. And so I had to take a break to do that and then come back to what became Temple of Amducius. But like just the concept for the story kept changing as i kept trying to feel my way into it the anthology was to be an homage to the music of merciful fate or king diamond and jared wanted something that was more atmospheric which after down there i didn't think would be a problem the atmosphere really wasn't difficult i could get into that pretty easily but coming up with a story that i felt worked and uh, was a good fit for merciful fate was difficult i kept going through his lyrics um trying to come up with something an idea that would suggest itself from in particular the first merciful fate albums which are my favorite like melissa and don't break the oath um i was trying to get something from those and as it turned out i wound up coming to the ep that predated those called merciful fate and a song called Devil Eyes. and once i arrived at that and saw the possibilities um already through one of the false starts come up with the idea of voids being so present in the story. And I changed the main character to somebody else and just started coming up with this idea of this occult uh, ritual that's going on involving these killings in this abandoned section of town. And so eventually it worked out. It uh I mean I was really happy with the story in the end, but it was it took me a few months to come up with what I needed to on that story. And I mean, I was working on it a lot in that time it wasn't just like, well, I'll think about it some more and one day maybe I'll do some writing. I was writing on stuff and just throwing it out week after week. So it's a tough story, but I think it's uh maybe the best in the collection. So I was it was worth it. But after that I kind of felt like I don't know if short stories are going to be a thing I can do much more. And so anytime I get offered one, I'm I'm hesitant. Uh I've, I've managed to do a couple, but it's it's been a struggle. Awesome!
2: So now that my I've
1: struggles completely... are awesome,
0: <laughs> <laughs> your pain no. pleases her. It does. Ryan it Harding. does. <laughs> it makes, me... <laughs> it makes me so happy. So now we'll
2: do a rapid fire four.
0: Hell yeah! This is my favorite part. I mean, I really like... This is all Marion. All- I really love hearing... Oh, Marion, I can't hear you. <laughs>
3: Uh-oh.
2: You're back, maybe?
3: No? Uh,
0: Can you hear me now? Yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah, all right.
0: <laughs> okay, so... I'm going to let Christina go ahead and kick it off with these bad boys. Okay, so... If someone were to write a
2: memoir about you, what would it be called?
1: Gosh, an acquired taste that no one acquires.
2: (laughs) I'm gonna have to kindly agree to disagree on that. That's
0: great. (laughs) I don't know if you're. I this is quickly becoming one of my favorite questions of the rapid fire for this season. Last week, I talked to Paul Ash, and she was like, "Well, I guess it would be called why." The Paula D Ash story. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: An acquired taste that nobody had acquired.
1: I <laughs> love it. Yeah, that's a that's a James Elroy illusion, but it's it's one that I've always that's always stayed with me. It's like, yeah, I can relate to that.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. So here we go. Here's a really good one for you, especially with the the kind of stuff you like to write and enjoy writing. If I sat you down and I put an explosive collar on your neck all battle royale style and told you you had 30 minutes to write a book for me and Christina's kids or the collar would explode and your head would blow up, what would that kid's book be called and what would it be about?
1: Um, I think it would be called The Never Ending Story and it'd be about a kid who's bullied and there's like a luck dragon and you know it would just be the movie
2: They <laughs> never know the difference
0: and totally not plagiarized at hey,
1: all I mean, it's, not, it's not it's not being published and i can save my own life yeah let's, let's just...
2: no copyright work. are good yeah.
0: everybody loves the never-ending story and i do not <laughs> Uh so (laughs) all right Christina
1: do it
2: all right which of your characters is your least favorite and why
1: least favorite I don't know I mean I I like to write about such horrible people but I love doing that so (laughs) it's (laughs) sometimes it's the ones who are supposed to be kind of likable that I'm just like
2: "Uh." that's what Chandler said I was
0: gonna say (laughs) I was like that is exactly what Chandler Morrison said (laughs) (laughs) it's the likable people that I hate writing about
1: yeah that that does present its own challenges Uh,
0: (laughs) so maybe
1: maybe Gosh, maybe Erica and reincursion is kind of one that is Jason was more invested in in her than I was. I think I had different ideas in mind for her that he he took a different way with her than I would have gone. So (laughs) there's there's probably a there would have been a different fate, I guess, if I had chosen versus what he did. But I mean, you know, I played my part in making her what she was, too. So.
0: Um, that's fascinating even even
1: so I mean even so to say that I like the least it's not like oh I I hate this person it's just just, I would would have uh, probably had a different plan for her than what we went with but I mean that's the art of compromise and collaboration sometimes it works that way
0: I was gonna say have you this isn't a concept I've ever considered before but like how do you handle a situation like that where you're collaborating with somebody and all of a sudden this character appears from this other human being who's involved in this project and you're like I fucking hate this guy this character's the worst I don't want to write for this character this is awful like how do you handle that sort of thing you don't have to use names or anything but like if that's a thing what do you do
1: well, I mean it boy not the case of just being like, Oh gosh, I hate her. What are you doing? It wasn't like that. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just, there sometimes there are just the way the book moves along and goes in a direction you hadn't necessarily considered. I mean, sometimes like with Jason, we've written we know each other well enough, like if one of us isn't feeling something, then the other will probably say, you know, I don't know if this is worth this is gonna work, and here's why I think that. And you just kind of have to come to a consensus about how much of something you'll allow versus what they want to do. And if you can find a happy medium there. And I mean, we usually get there on that. It's, it's not that big a deal. When I don't know somebody as well, sometimes it's kind of like, well, I guess I kind of have to just be like, yeah, I mean, okay, whatever.
0: Just going <laughs> to go with it. Then. You have to go
1: along to get along sometimes. <laughs> <but> <laughs> just like you know, if it's something massive, then yeah, you're going to say, yeah, that, that's probably not something we should do. Here's why I think that. But otherwise if it's like, okay, well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have done it that way, but okay, we can do that. That's fine. Uh, it's, uh, it's just the nature of collaboration though. I mean, sometimes that's a great uh, attribute of it that it can go in a direction you never would have thought of yourself. And other times you're like, well, you know, if I had total control of this, I might not do that, and I, there's something I might have liked to do more, but it's it's fine, you know, generally, a collaborator is going to be understanding about certain things, and, you know, if there's sure. going to, yeah, you, there's not, I'm not going to write with such a rigid personality, but they're just not going to entertain any sort of discourse about that, so, but I can't think of many situations where I've had to have that interaction with them are like yeah man this doesn't work at all
0: <laughs> I don't care for this <laughs> <laughs> So here's a really important question really serious important question if you suddenly were confronted by an angry Michael Myers in the wilderness which trauma response would you default to fight flight or freeze?
1: Flight, yeah, be, flight, yeah, it'd be the flight. Why? Why would he be in a jungle exactly?
0: He does what he wants. <laughs> I mean, if Jason can go to space, Michael Myers can go to the jungle. Ryan Harding. <laughs> there you
1: go. Yeah, I suppose you're right, but yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, I would run because he's just a, he's the slow walker, pursuer. Type. <laughs> That's, I think I could I mean I don't do a lot of running, but hopefully I could manage enough to to get away, but I mean that was something that we uh when we when we uh designed Agent Orange and the reincarnation, and Reincursion books, it's like let's have somebody who does run <laughs> that's, that's uh, an
0: actual fast killer
1: yeah, what a concept I mean, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I'm not a big, fast zombie person, but when it comes to killers, like Friday the 13th two Jason ran.
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> so, that's I mean, true. That's,
1: that's something you can do. That's something that should be done more because it's, it's pretty, you yeah, know, it makes it more tense when somebody can run after you and you don't know how fast they can go. So you better hope <laughs> that you can go faster.
0: That's very similar to the concept that RJ Bonetti, you know, presented. He was like, well, I'm going to jog to my car. And then I'm going to drive away. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't even a good question. (laughs) Well, Ryan Harding, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We appreciate it more than you'll know. Do you have anything coming up in the near future that you would like to let the people know about so that they can keep it on their radar?
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's been, I've wanted to be on the show since I saw Chandler's interview and uh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's been really cool to be on with uh, you know, some really great questions, uh, which I, I appreciate a lot. Um, coming soon, we have header three is being reprinted from Evil Cookie Publishing. I believe the date that K-Trap Jones said is September 28th. So that will be available again soon. And my next collection, Transcendental Mutilation, the release date's a little more nebulous. Uh, It's in the works. I'm hoping it's going to be out really, really soon. Um, I would love for it to be out in October. I don't know for sure that that will happen, but hopefully it's going, we're looking at a fall release on that. So hopefully it's going to be very soon, but I'm excited for everybody to get to read that. It's been a long time since genital grinder so it's good to have something out just under my own name aside from like the profile came out last year but that was again part of the series so this is the first solo work i've had since genital grinder so it's it's good to have something else out and i hope everybody who's been waiting for something just uh there wasn't a collaboration will be happy with all the depravity that's in this one and hopefully it's some stuff they've never even thought of before
0: so if people if you feel comfortable with people reaching out to you I mean Christina has no boundaries so she was going to find you no matter what but <laughs> if you feel comfortable with people reaching out to you where is the best place for them to contact you and how do they find you
1: Okay um well I do have a Twitter account I'm not so great about signing into that but... yes
0: i have one too and neither am i <laughs>
1: but, <laughs> but the address the address on that one's the easiest to find is uh at necro af is in necro as fuck um, <laughs> my I <love> it. <laughs> my i think my facebook address is facebook.com slash ryan hard morbid all one word so i can be found on there and i'm more more active on Facebook than Twitter. I will eventually get to Twitter if somebody contacts me there, follows me or whatever. But um, Facebook is the one where I've, I've probably use the most of the social media hells that we've embraced.
0: Mm, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> and before we end, we did
2: not acknowledge something very important. We did not acknowledge Mr. Harding's fourth splatterpunk award-winning last month um, yeah so congrats because i haven't said it
1: oh thank you <laughs> well I, I appreciate that Yeah, chris chris and i were very happy to win best splatterpunk for, or splatterpunk for best novel i that's one i hadn't and done yet. So that's that's really cool. And we, we appreciate everybody who read the Night Stalkers and rated and reviewed it and nominated it for the award. Plus, there was really great uh, competition too. Daniel Volpe's uh, Left to Use, really great book that everybody should check out and plus some of the other great nominees that were there. So it was uh, really esteemed that everybody wanted the Night Stalkers, who wanted the Night Stalkers to win. We appreciate that a lot
0: well for more information on mr ryan harding please come join us in the mothers of mayhem official facebook group i believe he himself might be a member of that group and also in there you can find links to our mom's merch store yes we have fan gear not that we have fans but we have gear for people who are potentially fans We also have our ultimate fan community reading soundtrack playlists for both YouTube and Spotify. The Spotify ones are constantly updating because I spend a lot of time on Spotify. Our community group provides exclusive information, content, giveaway opportunities, plus so much more. As always, you can send your questions, comments, pictures of dildos for Christina, memes of my mortal enemy, Zach, anthropomorphic shirt baggins to our email address which is mom extreme at gmail.com that's um, podcast at gmail.com but honestly you can just throw all that stuff up on the community group wall and we're gonna see it way quicker than we will at the email if you are listening rather than watching on the youtubes visit our anchor fm homepage you can search us right up on there mothers of mayhem leave us a voice message if you do this you might be surprised to hear your own voice bleeding back at you through your favorite podcast streaming platform in an upcoming episode this content is an exclusive bonus only found on our uploads to podcast streaming platforms It was a lot of fun last season. Don't forget that this season you are getting blooper reels from every episode we post on YouTube. So there's your little YouTube bonus. And finally, thank you once more to singer-songwriter Amigo the Devil. I'm wearing one of my Amigo shirts today for allowing us to use his song Hungover in Jonestown as our theme. Ryan Harding, we just love you. You are marvelous. And I hope you will come back.
1: Miss it.
0: Yeah until next time. Go raise some hell children. Make
2: your weird book mommy is proud.
0: Oh yeah!
3: Alright.
0: We'll see you next week, bye. <speaking in English>
1: Life is a joke, and death is the punchline. <speaking in English> Life is a joke, and death is a punch high for life.